0: Here we go. Money talk. Brought to you by DKP & Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Piñata on FNR Football Nation Radio. Welcome to
1: the Football Bosses here on FNR. Michael Zapponi, Tony Piñata with you. We're upbeat today, Tony, because Melbourne victory were outstanding uh, last night in the Asian Champions League and Sydney FC put up a, a good fight in their game as well.
2: Well, they say, um, I saw a tweet by uh, Speedy who said, uh, yeah, not a bad effort. Uh, we took four out of six points. So uh, I know we, the league gets knocked, but uh, last night really showed uh, that we can compete. And, and from um, a business point of view, talk to us about the uh, the incentives
1: for A-league clubs to, to make it to the knockout phases, because over the last few years, the AFC have changed the financial incentives and uh, there is a carrot uh, to get through uh the group stage?
2: Well, even just winning, get, you know, victory would have got 50,000 US dollars. I mean, they wouldn't have had many costs, it's, you know, probably stadia costs, but, um, you know, you qualify for the uh, round of 16, it, it goes up even more in quarters, etc. So uh, it, it can be very lucrative uh, for the clubs to, uh, to progress.
1: If we gave you a job, Tony, to double the crowds in the Asian Champions League in Australia, how would you do it? It's so disappointing to, to walk into a stadium, 6,000 people, uh, 6,600 last night. I know that uh, it is incumbent on the AFC to promote. It is also uh, up to the clubs to promote. Why can't we capture the imagination of uh, our football public uh, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night? It's still summer, or just about, uh, and the football is of high quality. It's of better quality than we're getting in the A-League.
2: I, I just think it's um, just the culture. Of it, you know, they—they they don't. We need to change that culture. Yeah, it's just it's—it's. It's, I've been, you know, you know, knocking, you know, banging my head against a wall, and I reckon even if you open the gates for free, you, you'd only get another couple of thousand. Um, you know, different to the uh, UEFA Champions League where they can't get a stadium big enough to um, to get fans in. So it's 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 difficult. It's, it's a culture. It's a, it's a work night. It's a school night. A lot of excuses, uh, but you saw on the pitch the quality that um, that was produced. Uh, you know, by by Melbourne victory.
1: Alright, well we'll give you that blueprint for, for next season and uh, you've got a bit of time in your hands at the moment so you can maybe uh, talk to us about how, you, how we'll uh, increase our crowds in future because it was some brilliant football on the park. We've got a massive show coming up. Uh, speaking of uh, brilliant football, the Newcastle Jets have been outstanding this season and uh, their boss uh, off the park is
2: Laurie McKenna. He'll join us. Uh, what a success story they've been. Oh, been amazing um, on and off the park. Yeah, look, last year they were terrible. You know, they finished last. Um, but um, you know, Ernie's sort of come in, and uh, they had a lot of players coming off contract and that that helps so they could really rejig that list and, they, and they've done that you know naboo what a, what a story this year you know he's, he's you know he's left now he's gone on to a you know massive club in in the j league ira uh, reds uh, Jimmy petrados has been picked for the socceroos and uh, he'll be missing so they're missing a few players coming up but uh, you know they're, they're probably getting a few more back so last week fantastic eighteen thousand people they beat sydney with 10 men for me, that's the grand final replay. And, um, you know, in eight weeks' time, who knows? That could be at uh, Allianz Stadium playing for the grand final. Oh, they could be at the Hunter Stadium playing the grand final. Not against Sydney, though. No, well, you never know. Sydney
1: could uh, could lose, you know. Yeah, yeah. well, it's only <laughs> at Hunter, if uh, Sydney loses. But yeah. it, it
2: can't be a grand final replay at Hunter. This Sydney
1: FC hat still on, Tony. You can't get rid of it. Uh, and the other big news today was that uh, uh, the new franchise has got a, a new... Man in charge here in Melbourne. They have a big project to push for a team in the southeastern suburbs. Matt Windley, uh, the Herald Sun journalist, uh, will uh, will front up that bid and will be uh, a, a part of our program today.
2: Yeah, look, um, an amazing um, opportunity, and uh, really need you know expansion, and I think it's a, it's a good. Uh, a- Good potential uh, club out there.
1: It's great. We're talking about expansion, and uh, the big question will be where will they play? How will they build a stadium? We'll ask all of those questions to the new man in charge, Matt Winley, joining us after the break here on the Football Bosses.
0: Here comes the money. Here we go. The money talk. Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Piñata on FNR Football Nation Radio.
1: Welcome back to Football Bosses here on FNR. Michael Zapponi and Tony Piñata with you. And uh, joining us on the line now is the boss of the new bid that is going to take the A-League by storm, at least he hopes. It's called Team 11. His name is Matt Winley. You've heard him here on FNR as part of the journos, but uh, technically now not a journo anymore. Matt Winley, welcome.
3: Hey, Zappos. Hey, Tony. How you going? you
1: now qualified to come on our program as a boss. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Brilliant! I know I've made it in the world. Still a journey, I think, for a couple more weeks. But today, uh, officially, on a day off from the Herald, so I'm able to fulfill these sorts of things. So yeah, we snuck, snuck me in. So good.
1: And uh, we know that uh, you'll be uh, talking in, in more detail about the bid uh, tomorrow on uh, your segment on FNR. So we look forward to uh, a detailed discussion on that. Firstly, congratulations. And uh, we read uh, the news today that uh, Team 11 has brought you on board. To so Just tell us a little bit about uh, your role, uh, firstly, before we get stuck into the details of uh, the bid itself.
3: Yeah, sure. So, um, I mean, it'll be a bit of everything. Um yeah okay there'll be media and social media and yeah doing things like this and all that sort of stuff um you know there'll be marketing um as i've said in a couple of places today and and i'll say on the journal you know i live out in this area and so i've been sort of you know volunteering my time a little bit on the side over the the last 15 months or so and it's something i've become really 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 passionate about because it's uh, it's impacting my local community and, and my local football clubs and Um, and so that's sort of the reason why I decided to jump and then it it dovetails into then what my number one priority is at least in the well no my number one priority forever but then in the first three months I'm going to make contact with in person uh, either at a a match day or, or a training night every single one of our which numbers about 100 in the southeast of Melbourne and, and well more than you know 18,000 uh, registered players and that's not even including you know non ffv competitions and social competitions and all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot to get to, but um, at the end of the day, and as I'm sure you guys can appreciate, if If the local football community here doesn't support this bid, then there's no point doing it. Um, It's not going to get off the ground. So we need this to be their club um, from day one and build it with them and take their ideas and feedback on board, make them excited about it, and then hopefully, um, you know, the business world. and. State and federal governments, when it comes to funding and all that sort of stuff, will see sense in it and, um, and we'll get the green light. And if not, then at least, you know, we've given it a go and you, and you just throw up your hands and say that there are other people uh, that are better equipped to, to get into the A-League at this point in time.
2: Yeah, Matt, um, it's a massive um, football heartland out there and, um, you know, there was talk earlier on when when Melbourne City or Melbourne Heart at the time came on board that uh, they looked at, uh, you know, possibly training out at Casey and never, you know, build a stadium there. and. And I know if, you know from a fact that you know my son played for three years at uh, Dandy City there and right. um, massive uh, you know football uh, people who, who love the game so I think it's a, it's a great opportunity it's what what the A-league does need uh, another expansion team um, and, and you know cut to the chase there's going to be a team out of Melbourne and it's going to be out of Sydney so um, I think it's a, you know a, a great potential and uh, you know if I'm hearing right, you know with all the consultants and and they're doing all their stats and you know fish where the fish are according to uh david Gallup, uh it's, it's huge potential out there
3: no there is and um, i appreciate you know those, that sentiment and, and and it's absolutely right and you know clearly i mean if we just even want to look at it from a, a
1: personal
3: point, uh, a wife a, a two-year-old daughter a, another child on the way in the middle of the year a mortgage all that sort of stuff so it's, it's obviously a personal risk to jump from a, a job that i've had for 10 years and have got a semblance of security act. Um, I wouldn't be doing that if I, I didn't think this was a genuine chance, clearly. But... Um all those the metrics are fantastic and I, and I do know um that we do tick a, a lot of the boxes um but obviously we have got to make that work you know and 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 make it work with the the people that really matter and that's going to be the the fans and the football community out here and um and and you know, yeah come along for the ride with us so that we actually have a, a club that works There's no point uh having all the bells and whistles and you know being uh getting a what would be a a dream to be able to build a, a boutique football stadium out here in Daniel, which we've got some, you know, pretty cool announcements about over the, the coming weeks and months. But um, you know, if no one turns up, then uh, the, the, it's not really going to add much to the O's in the long run. So, um, got to do it the right way, and as you say, utilise all those those metrics to, to our advantage, and not just take them for granted.
1: I guess you touch on the the stadium. For me, that's the the big issue, isn't it? Hundred percent. And and we, you know, as well as anyone, uh, that uh, Melbourne City have found it difficult to uh, attract crowds and uh, the geographical uh, nature of, of their club being out in Bundura for training but not having a, a match day experience that is different to Melbourne Victory I think has hurt them. Uh, you talk about building a, a boutique stadium uh, in, in the region. We know that that costs a lot of money. We spoke to uh, several people over the, the last few months about uh, their bids and Robert Beltecki's is a great example of, uh, of that and I asked him the question why not look at an area like uh, the Casey region uh, uh, he's got a pretty su- successful property developer behind him as well who could build mm. a stadium, but uh, he said it just costs too much, and uh, um, and that was the reason they looked at uh, Tasmania, where they've got the support of the state and federal government to, to do the same down there. Uh, t- talk to us about well, as much as you can in any detail now uh, about, yeah. about what, um, what the plans are for a stadium out there and, and how long that would take to, to build
3: yeah, sure. So, I mean, to pick up your very first comment, I, I totally agree that this lives and dies on uh, on having a stadium built. Um, and because there's no point, I don't think, having a, a third club in Melbourne playing, you know, out of Amy Park, Etihad Stadium. Um, and if you want to be a club that truly represents a, a particular geographic area, um, you need to give them the core product and that's the game um, out in their backyard. So, so that's the plan. Um, I think we announced back in October, November, um, that Cox Architecture, the, the team, the firm that um, designed Amy Park, which you all know is fantastic. Um, they've designed our stadium for us, and um, as I say, we're about to hit go in the you know in the coming weeks and months with um, you know some really cool plans for that and detail on that especially around yeah the costing and the the viability and and all that sort of stuff um so you know so that'll be cool and and obviously in line with when i coming on board and all that sort of stuff um and as was said previously sorry as a motorbike as well um as i said previously through the the training base um will be at casey Fields and casey council's um committed you know to to helping fund that as well with a a football center of excellence which not only benefits um you know the the club um as a whole but also the the community as a whole because we're crying out for pitches down here you know you, you drive past um, billboards all the time of of local footy clubs, and I don't mean to make this a code wars. I'm just sort of saying for reference, that you, local footy clubs looking for players, but you never see that for soccer because or football because um, we just we just don't have the grounds out here. We don't have the facilities. Teams, local clubs are turning players back because they don't have the capability of being able to house them anymore. So if we can help that in any way, shape or form. Um, both with you know that centre at Casey Fields, where people can actually use it for community games but also to then encouraging football investment in other local clubs, then, then that's fantastic. Um, I think what will be important and, and obviously too as we, we come into a, a state election year in Victoria here is, is talking about this club not just as a sporting team, which clearly it is and, and, and hopefully is going to be a, a really successful sporting team um, but more about this is something that can really galvanise, I think, and revitalise, you know, not only just Dandenong and Casey, but the whole south-east Melbourne region, you know. And if we're talking about something that can revitalise the, the, the Dandenong CBD, encourage investment and growth and jobs and opportunities, you know, right across the southeast of Melbourne, and I think we've become a, a really compelling case for, for governments to, um, to look at in terms of helping us fund, and then, you know, you start sort of chipping away at, okay, yeah, money doesn't grow on trees and stadiums aren't cheap, but with a many hands make all well work approach when you're also talking about the private sector getting involved uh it might not be insurmountable because it's going to hopefully um make a, a massive difference to to the local community in so many ways both in an investment point of view and, and also too and let's be real there, there is a stigma attached to some areas of the southeast you know giving people out here an outlet um giving people out here positive role models both young boys and girls to, to emulate and aspire to um that you know giving Dandenong, for example, is, is one of the top two multicultural um, municipalities in Australia up there with Auburn and Western Sydney. And more than 60% of the people in Dandenong were born overseas. So you give them an outlet to um, connect with the sport that they most likely loved from their homeland and, uh, and really engage in their local communities. And I just think that there are so many compelling arguments as to why this club can be fantastic in, you know, not just in a sporting sense, but also in a, in a, in a region-wide community sense.
2: Well, you've got a couple of um great ambassadors um one being you know champion uh soccer vince greller and um Bailey, uh, Bailey Wright, and Jackson Irvine. Um, so, yep. you've got to get those guys um, supporting you and and, and helping you um, spread spread the word. I mean, they come from the area. I know, you know, Vince played for many many years at Springvale before he moved over to overseas, and uh, and Jackson was at Endeavour uh, Endeavour United. Endeavour United. Yeah. Yep. Bailey yep. actually yep. played it from you know Dandy Thunder. So uh, he
3: did. And Wayne Warren as well. Yeah.
2: Yep. So yep. Ma- massive um, opportunity there. Um, for for them to help you,
3: 100%. Um, yeah, I, I had a great pleasure of spending a fair bit of time with um, with Jackson and Bailey um, when they were out here around, uh, just before Super June last year, before they played the friendly against Brazil and Melbourne uh, and that World Cup qualifier against Saudi. Before they went to the Contest Cup, they're both absolutely ripping fellas uh, and we're both so so keen to help out, um, and have been on call to you know for any advice and support. Um, which has been fantastic Um, and both have said and I'm sure we wrote a story around about the time and Dave Davudovich, I think, in the Herald Sun wrote um, that, you know, those two boys um, have said that they want to come back and play for the club one day. It might work out. Who knows? I'm just flying a kite. I'm just speculating. It might work out time-wise for Bailey to come back straight away. If he's ready, who knows? Jackson maybe being a tiny bit younger, might be a few years down the track. But to have that support, and and most importantly, that support from two guys who are local to the area and know it well, um, I think is is, is fantastic. And and there's a few other guys too, you know, you you could potentially look at depending on when and if this club comes in. You know, Scotty McDonald, uh, originating uh, from the Casey Comets. uh, Arden Rustic as well is uh, is a Daniel boy as well. So there's some great support. And then, as you say, too, the, the... arguably with the greatest respect to the others that mentioned the biggest name of the lot Vince Greller who obviously isn't playing but uh, the fact that he's seen fit to put his name behind it you know and as you say a local product as well and knows the area well I, I think these people wouldn't be advocating something that they didn't see sense in. And, and I suppose that's what I get back to in that there's a lot of common sense, I think, in, in, in what we're talking about. And hopefully, um, you know, that, that prevails and, and other people see the common sense in it.
1: Talk to us about uh, your timelines, uh, Matt. Uh, we know it's early days, but uh, the FFA uh, last month came out and uh, confirmed expansion was uh, back on the agenda and that uh, the uh, two new franchises would come in not next season, but the season after. Is that too soon for uh, Team 11?
3: Everything's on the table and nothing's off the table. I suppose if, if I mean taking my team 11 hat off, I'm not going to shy away from stuff that I've been advocating in the Herald Sun for a long time. And I'm not Robinson Crusoe in saying I think the A League desperately needs new teams. And uh, I would say we want to get to 14 asap. Do we come into the mix then as team 13 or 14? Um, if you know two sides maybe in Sydney or Brisbane where there is already rectangular stadiums available, come in. You know, maybe. Who knows? Um, do we be one of the, the new Team 11 or Team 12 um, in, in 18 months' time and then make temporary arrangements in the meantime? Just clearly, um, to, to your earlier point, a stadium, you know, it won't be built um, by, in 18 months' time. There's just absolutely no way that would happen. Um, so those are all things um, that have to be discussed, I suppose, between us and, and FFA and everything like that. Um, and and, and there's plans in place either way. Um, but, yeah, I, I suppose it just depends on the powers that be and, and who they want in and when they want in and, and how many teams that they're putting in at particular times. Just Hopefully our case is compelling enough that we get a green light and whether that is for an 18-month time or, or 30-month time or... 42 months time. I suppose we'll just have to wait and see. That That's out of our hands, I guess.
1: And uh, the consortium uh, con- uh, includes uh, three councils. Uh, talk to us about the, the steering committee and, and the work they've done in, in the last uh, year or so to, to get to this point.
3: So we had those, those launch events um, in sort of May, June last year and then um, de- deliberately sort of went dark for, for nine months or so. I mean, it's a, it's, an, it's been an elongated process and it's um, you know, there wasn't much to report, to be honest. It was quietly going behind their scenes, um, they've developed the business model and the business case uh, with uh, with Gemba, um, renowned, you know, sports research sort of management sort of firm. Uh, and then, as I say, uh, the, the stadium case and the, and the stadium design with with Cox Architecture. Um, the steering committee has, you know, representation, as you say, from from Casey Cuninia and and. And, you know, and isn't that great too that local councils are behind you know the round ball we we're hear we're here across the country so many problems with with clubs and their their local councils where these guys are, are driving it and um you know i must say too you know councils like mornington and frankston and kingston you know the surround uh, have all been incredibly supportive of this bid too and um you know be talking about formalizing those partnerships in a, in a public sense sort of soon as well i would hope um but so that it's a ground-up approach is fantastic, and um, to have you know also someone like Gabrielle Williams, the, the state MP uh, in Daniel, also sitting on our steering committee is fantastic. And Vince, my proxy, obviously given that he's overseas, but um, you know whenever he's back, he's, also, he's always um, you know meeting up with the guys as well and, and, and giving guidance. So look, there'll be definitely some additions to that group, and of and, and, um, groups, I suppose, focusing on a few different things as we really hit. Down. The, the next few weeks and months uh, and there'll be obviously some announcements on that too but um you know as things stand yeah really comfortable with uh, the way that the steering committee is going even though they might not necessarily be named i suppose that uh you know totally and utterly familiar at this stage to the, to the football community
1: team 11 is that uh, deliberately provocative or presumptuous matt
3: <laughs> uh, I would say deliberately vague in that it, just, it just totally and utterly demonstrates that um, we haven't chosen a name and, and I'm not afraid to say that it's I oh, will beg, borrow and steal. You know, a lot of the things that the Western Sydney Wanderers did when they came in because they did it so well. And so why try and uh, fix a model that isn't broken? You know, they have such a, a strong tie to their community and had such a strong tie to their community very, very quickly by giving ownership, in, in inverted commas, to the, of the club to the fans by letting them choose the colours and the name and the logo and all that sort of stuff. And uh, I reckon, I uh, know, we'll, we'll do exactly the same thing um, because it, it, it gives a genuine tie to the community. So, yeah, Team 11 deliberately vague in the sense of, you know, it it doesn't give off any impression of of maybe presumptuous, presumptuous names. Um, yeah, provocative, yeah, in the sense that, yeah, maybe we're saying we'll be team 11. We might have to change it to team 13 or 14, who knows down the track. We'll have to see what, what happens. But I suppose there's also that symbolism in, you know, 11 people on the field and, and all that sort of stuff as well. So I wouldn't read too much into the name. It's just that, yeah, we're just sort of waiting for the right time where um, our loyal fans can uh, can jump on board and choose it for us.
2: Yeah, it's just a working uh, name. Working but I, I think, yeah, the, you know, it's great. Yeah, you know, follow what the Wanderers did um speak to you know speak to people there uh, do you know you're no threat um get out there and and, and you know they really did it well and uh, you've I got did. to hand it to them um the way they did it they they started about this time out from their first game um put together everything the colors the the, the team name uh, everything and it, it worked to a treat. Um and uh and, and there's a lot of similarities in, in the, the demographics you were talking
1: about, Matt, with uh, yeah. with Western Sydney as mm. well, which I which I really like about uh, yeah. about this.
3: Yeah, me too. Yeah. I mean look, football really can be a uniting force and um you know, if the powers of B see fit to, to really um be a powerful change in this area of the community and use football as an avenue to to drive that I I think it'll be a really powerful message and a really good thing for the game and i suppose the other thing too is we all know as melbourneians i mean professional sport especially in this city is, is so centralized in the big cities so you know we, we've got nine afl teams in this city plus geelong um but all you know if you're a new fan of the game you wouldn't know between any difference between melbourne and Collingwood and western bulldogs or whatever they all play at eddie had stadium they all play at the mcg or if we can take sports back to the people, where the people actually live and it took me an hour and a half to get to the Derby from Berwick uh, a, couple of, a couple of weeks ago and I was just thinking, wow, it's going to be awesome when I can uh, leave the train at the train station and, and be at the ground uh, really, really, really quickly and not have to battle the traffic and, and I reckon there's uh, plenty of people in Gippsland, in, in Frankston, in Mornington and, and, and the surrounds that are all thinking the same thing, you know, just quickly hop on on Link, hop on the freeway, hop on the V-line, hop on the train and, and be able to, to base yourself quickly and Danny Dandenong and get home quickly after the game too. So, um, yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense, but uh, I would, wouldn't I, because I'm biased.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, you have to change one thing, Matt, and that's your uh, twiddle handle. Uh, yeah. uh, how <laughs> are you going to do this? You've got you know, over 7,000 followers and you call yourself Matty Herald's son. Hmm.
3: <laughs> yeah, I've looked into that. I made sure that I could change it, and I can. So, uh, oh, good. I good. reckon I'll have to become Matty Team 11, but uh, te- no, I'm, I'm also pretty um, passionate about making sure I finish off on the right note of the Herald and I had to give a, a leave notice period and I, I finished off on, on March 31 so I'm really looking forward to still doing some, some hopefully some really good stories over the last few weeks about the A-League because at the end of the day it's, all, it's something that I've loved doing for a long long time and I love sitting down with players and, and getting their stories so hopefully I've still got a couple more good ones in me before, uh, before I hang up the dictaphone as Scotty Golan said in the paper this morning and, <laughs> yeah. um, and, and move on to the, to the next phase
1: well we'll miss uh, reading your articles but uh, we're, we're absolutely wrapped uh, that uh, you're not lost to the game and uh, working uh, for the better good of the game and and uh, the advancement of our game here in Melbourne. Uh, good luck with uh, your endeavours over the next uh, few years and months and uh, I'm sure we'll speak again.
3: Yeah, thank you so much for the support, guys. Really appreciate it. And, yeah, any time.
1: Matty Windley joining us here on the Football Bosses.
0: Here comes the money. Here we go. The money talk. Brought to you by DKP & Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group, Football Bosses with Michael Zaponi and Tony Piñata on FNR Football Nation Radio.
1: Welcome back to the Football Bosses here on FNR. Michael Zaponi, Tony Piñata with you. And joining us on the line now is the boss of the Newcastle Jets Football Club, Laurie McKenna. Thanks for joining us, Laurie.
4: No
1: pleasure, pleasure to be on. Laurie, what a season it's been for Newcastle. We know uh, on the field what's occurred, and, and we'll we'll touch a little bit on that uh, in this conversation. But uh, off the field, you know, last season the Newcastle Jets, uh, you know, were really struggling in in just about every element. And uh, you've come in, and a new owner has come in, and things have turned around. In your wildest dreams, did you think uh, this season was going to uh, to go the way it's gone? I was
4: the way it was gone but as you said when we came in the club last season the squad was basically 95% put together and it was what it was and we fell away badly the last six games of the season and finished bottom and um, we'd already made plans before Ernie to come in we'd started replacing players Ernie come in and basically got rid of every player coming off contract apart from Ben Kantorowski and what a good decision that is because Kantorowski's been outstanding this season um, and then we made a few new signings on top of that and the season started off well so to say yeah we'd, we'd be expecting to be sitting in second spot uh, quite a few points clear now nah, that would have been people to looked at as over crazy but it's really satisfying watching what the Army's done, and then what the, what the players have done on and off the park. I think mm-hmm. that's been a big, a big
1: plus as well. It's been a, a chequered decade for the club, hasn't it? Uh, such a rich football history in Newcastle, but when you look at uh, the last 12 years uh, of, of the Newcastle Jets, you've had different owners, different coaches, uh, you've had different levels of fan interest in, in the game. Uh, at Hunter, at Hunter Stadium, and and this year, uh, everything just seems to to be working beautifully. What what's been uh, the secret to that success?
4: Well, I think the owner Martin Lee, well, he's basically come in and said, there's the club," so obviously you you do it. Um, I mean, I'm not taking a rap for it, but the the great thing is this guys putting in the money. He's given us the backing, and it's not a huge backing, um, but we know the money's secured. You've got that confidence. And in that first six months to a year, we, we had so much backlash for the Tinker era with the club. So that was commercially, fans, people were just fed up what was happening with Newcastle. And we had to basically gain that credibility about town again. You know, you wanted people walking about town with the, the members' hats on and the shirts on because it wasn't happening. This season through pre-season, and he never came out with any excuses. He knew if he was successful this year, great. If he wasn't, he'd be out of job. Um, and Ernie, there were no excuses for day one, which went down well with the Newcastle fans. As you, you said earlier, it's got a great history. We've got clubs up here 130, 140 years old. And you get KB United, you've got all the, the breakers and Newcastle United. There was a no-nonsense approach for Ernie. And we've had to do that off the park as well. You know, We're not looking for excuses, but we're not running away from the park. But we had to change the perception of the club and the town. And I think we've done that on the football field and I think we've done that off the football field as well.
1: Talk to us about the choice of Ernie Merrick as a coach. Uh, When we look at it today, we we know it's been an overwhelming success. Ernie Merrick was a coach that had huge success at Melbourne Victory, uh, and uh, I think he'd be the first to say that uh, things didn't go the way he wanted them to go at uh, Wellington. He was then looking for a job. He was uh, The coach really nobody uh, was looking at uh, for for roles that were opening up. Uh, There were a lot of young coaches whose names were thrown about when the Newcastle Job opened up. Why did you choose Ernie in the end over, you know, a young coach that uh, perhaps could have been given an opportunity?
4: Well, I think the three previous coaches were all young coaches, probably rookie. You had Phil Stubbins, um, Scott Miller, and Mark Jones. Mm. Yeah. So I think we have been down that track, and I think we, what was happening, we just needed that stability and that old head. I think, and obviously because I've got an old coaching hat in the cupboard. I think we needed somebody to come in and um, get respect to the dressing room straight away. Somebody couldn't come in and try and work his way in to see what the style was like or see put his stamp on it. We just needed somebody to come in and go, right, here's a new group of boys. What's the quickest way we can get this as a functioning team? And I just thought, Ernie, and we'd have 80-odd applicants with some really impressive ones. Some names were getting chucked in there just for the sake of that. Um, but Ernie... I think it was documented the other week in a story, but once Mark Jones left, I'd text them at seven o'clock one morning and said, are you bored yet? And they come back, i board bored out of my mind. And then um, I phoned them. And then that's when we set up an interview. Um, and we had a few other interviews. One of the, one of the main other guys um, was Steve Keen ex-Blackburn manager and a few other ones that came through the Ledman group um, but I just thought Ernie's experience in the A-League knowing the league knowing the players was a big start rather than starting from scratch again because so many times in the last few years the Jets have had to start again
2: you've um. You've brought, on, you've brought back uh, Joel Griffiths um, tell us about you know his role at the club and what he's done over the last I suppose uh, you know last year and more importantly this year with uh, um, you know helping uh, you develop the squad well
4: Joel was one when I got the job a year and a half ago he was the first new staff member that came on board because I thought the club needs some soul we need to be proud of what they've achieved in the past because the club had nothing. You, you couldn't feel any proud history within the Jets' office. You know, So Joel was employed two days a week as like football manager. Um, and Joel was totally new to that. Um, he has his own business in Newcastle. He's got a home loan company and he's doing very well with his life. So it suited him. Um, and Joel, Joel lives and breathes Newcastle football. You know, he, He's a well-known... Another, another thing, because we're owned by a Chinese company, like Joe Griffiths is a big name in Chinese football. He was there for five years. When we went there for the media release in a year past in July, we went to Beijing. We done a big media thing in Beijing and in Shenzhen. Joe was like David Beckham of football. He was getting mobbed in <laughs> the streets. We went to the Beijing Guan and um, Tanjin Derby game. and. It was all about Joe Griffiths being in the game. You know, he was getting mobbed in the streets, and so because we've got a Chinese owner, it's good profile for the Jets in China that Joe's involved in the club as well. But this year, he was he was instrumental in getting Vargas on board. Although he got injured early, he'll be back this week on the bench in Wellington. And um, Rodriguez, you know. Um, I've been in football for a long time in this country but I would have just said don't worry son move on we'll get another player but Joel persevered persevered and he was the one who got Rodriguez over mm-hmm. the line as well and between between myself and Joel we deal with different agents because we get different relationships and we get players signed and Riley McGree was a great signing. and because we've got a good relationship with agents agents come to us and make his offers and if we can move on we do and there are no um no bullshit you know we, if we can do it we can't if we can't
1: we can't you've gone you've had a fascinating career uh, we talk about your career in the A-League you, uh, you were obviously the coach of the Central Coast Mariners and, and then you, you took on the helm as the, the mayor of, uh, of Gosford and now you've gone into management uh, the management side of football uh, talk to us about that transition how have you, ha- have you uh, found that transition uh, from, from coaching to, to, to local government into, into managing a football club off the back.
4: Well, when I was at the Marlins, when I, was at the Marlins, I did a lot of the management stuff. And then after my five years, I was general manager of football for a year when Army came in, which was great. And then I had the opportunity to go to China and, and coach in the Chinese Super League in Division 1 for a year. And that, I think, dealing with Chinese football and dealing with clubs and owners taught me how to be a politician because it was just mental. When I came back as general manager of football, once my sit in China was over, I was, um, that's when I put my hand up for council, and then I got voted in as the mayor, with like the four years in a row, because in Gosford you have to the councillors vote every year. And it was a great experience, something I was really proud of, did I ever think I'd be a mayor, did I ever, was I ever interested in politics, not at all, but I was interested in the community on the central coast. And, my success as a coach there, that's what we got me voted in. wasn't because I was a great politician, it was just people were fed up with the bullshit they were getting to the local councillors and that they wanted a rechange change. And we achieved a lot in four years um, on that council when we got development into the City and now you go into Gosford, the cranes everywhere and that's a legacy for our time in council. But the amalgamation happened and um, I was in the process through my... Time in China, I was contacted by people who represented Ledman to take take the proposal to FFA. They were interested in the club, and um, the Jets were up for sale. And after probably six months going back and forward, the amalgamation happened, and it worked out perfect. I finished as the mayor in the in the May end of May, and in the June I was employed by Martin Lee to uh, run the Jets, and it worked out perfect. So. I think being in football for so long, and Tony, you'll you'll relate to this, the politics that goes on in the football field and the football environment, um, I think taught me well what to watch out for in in the council chambers because there are always a lot of deals getting done and people going behind each other's backs. But I think my background in coaching and management in football definitely helped me in my my short political career.
2: Um, And during that time, you even wrote a book, didn't you, Laurie?
4: Yeah, yeah, I've got my books out still on the shelves. My, my grandson sent me a cheeky picture of him looking over the shoulder, pointing at me in the bookshelf the other day there. Yeah, political football. So it's just basically a story of my life growing up in Scotland as a young boy, being a Rangers fan, being a bit sort of a Rangers hooligan, travelling all over Europe following my team, getting uh- married at 18, because... But my wife was pregnant, so I had to get married. <laughs> <laughs> the bar-in-law would have shot me. Um, then signing my first professional contract when I was 19 and playing four years ago, Marmot. coming to Australia to Box Hill down in Melbourne and had my first stint down there, then getting sold to Heidelberg and so on and so on. So it's just my story, and it's done in a funny way, and it's, it's a good laugh. And, um, you know, I've been back in Scotland for the last five or six days of my father-in-law's funeral and, and a lot of those people that's in my book for maybe years I caught up with a lot of the former players at Kilmarnock last night in the Scottish Cup replay against Aberdeen and that was the first time that um, Kilmarnock's got Aberdeen in the Scottish Cup since 1986 when I scored, um, scored we got beat 3-1 that's when Alec Ferguson just before he went to my United and I scored a near post header, I rose like a salmon, but it hot off my shoulder and went in the top <laughs> corner. So I claimed it. Um, so it was, it was a great night last night catching up with the old fans. Some of the old fans still recognise me and that, and it was, it was just a nice night to go down and spend a bit of time. You know, with my football career starter.
2: And uh, and you're a Rangers fan?
4: Yeah, big Rangers fan. I was at Ibrox at the weekend. You know, Rangers got his tickets and then um, after the game I caught up with Tom Rodgick um, introduced my brother-in-law to Tom Rodgick um, my brother in law is a big Rangers fan I said Tom this is my brother-in-law I don't know if he'll shake your hand or he'll headbutt you but he'll do, want to do something mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, oh, says, Tom scored an absolute screamer and I had a good chat with Tom after the game and it's funny listening to Tom Rodgick with a Scottish accent it was um, really really funny I was taking the mickey out of going listen to you big man but, um, but he's he's doing very well with Celtic obviously that crunch Celtic the title but um, I always try and get back to Iberts when I can when I come back
1: just back on the Jets. So you, you spoke about uh, the, the leadership team and uh, and also the the owner, Martin Lee, and, and the Ledman Group. And I spoke to Ernie Merrick earlier this year, just on the sideline, just before one of the games, in, in, in my role at Fox. And normally, Ernie would would uh, in previous seasons uh, he'd be very serious and very focused and uh, wouldn't really want to engage in conversation. But I picked up early this year that he uh, was this year he looked like a completely new man, perhaps taking a new approach uh, to the way that he was coaching the club and uh, we, we had a, probably a 20-minute conversation before the game as, as his team was warming up, and uh, he spoke very, very highly about uh, the new owner and what you touched on earlier about the fact that uh, he was given a blank sheet of paper to, to build this team and, and to do as he saw fit, and uh, it, it is paying dividends.
4: I know, definitely. Emmy's is loving it. He, he thanks me every day I see him for the opportunity to come and live in Newcastle. He's loving it. He's right on the water. Um, him and his wife Kerry have settled down. he's became part of that football community up here, not just football but in the rugby league circles he's, he, he's out there with myself I'm a Uber driver because I don't drink so <laughs> anything of a wee beer that take him to all these functions um, but I think he's enjoying the fact that he's working with myself and I, had to, I've got my, I can put my football hat on and understand that he just concentrates on the football and we've got budgets to work with and as long as we're within those budgets um, we, we try and make it work and try and make it happen and um, any time we've had to go back to the boss to get more money like when Rodriguez when Vargas got injured and we, we tried to bring in Rodriguez you know you go with a, a little business plan to the owner and he, he understands and, and he's back to his, like, if he's just going to say we want money for this he's just going to tell us no but and Martin's very business orientated and if you go with a plan and he can see the outcome of it um, he'll approve it so it's it's went very well this year we we run on a very small staff you know this year any extra money we got went into the football team but we do need to get more staff in the back office but we need a successful football team first and then we can get more staff on because it's, it's uh, very thin but everybody does a great job and, and and that's a great thing, it's a great working environment to be in Obviously, winning games, as Tony would said in the AFC last season and his previous season, when things are going well on the park, it definitely helps off the park as well.
1: Laurie, we've seen different owners come and go in the A-League and we've seen another new owner come in uh, this week uh, with a change of ownership at Adelaide United, uh, again, a, a Chinese consortium. Uh, I know you can't speak for other clubs, but in your case, what, what is the motivation of, uh, of Martin Lee and his group to, to invest in a club like Newcastle?
4: He's an LED, but he's got an LED business. So he does like the cinema signage, the big, the big screens all over the world. He, the LED that's at most of the A League grounds is actually Ledman LED, it's QMS the company who have got most of the contracts for A League clubs. Bought six sets of LED lights off him this year, so it is to get more business into Australia. But the big thing for him was to qualify for Asia. The big thing for him eventually, he's got his second division team in China. They they just missed out on promotion last year to Division 1. And if you can get in Division 1, you can find foreign players. So at the moment in Division 2, he can't find foreign players. So the idea was you get players to come here, then we can get them into China, then they can hopefully sell them on to bigger clubs. So he's trying to build up this network. Um, of clubs he's got he's a major sponsor of the Portuguese second division Um, he's got relationships I sent Joe Champness and Anthony Burke over to um, Academica last year for six months they went over and they done well when Joe came back um, he just went from strength to strength I don't think the football environment they went to was great but I think the life experience of being away from home and growing up done them a world of good and he's come back to that relationship a better player and a better person and a better rapper because he's right into his rapping music. But, um, <laughs> so you trying to build up this network where we can move players and it's still a long way to go because I don't think his structure in Portugal, to be honest, Antonio Núñez, I think he's been touched a wee bit by agents who's all got their fingers in the pie getting a wee cut of his money. I'm, I'm off to Spain on... Saturday to on the way home to Legan F uh, La Liga small club in Division 1 in Spain and have some chats with them about potential players coming to A-League we thought instead of bringing them 33, 34 year olds look at getting some 22, 23, 24 fringe players in La Liga who can come to the A-League and do well and then we can potentially sell them into China so eventually it's it's more the football businesses he's looking to develop but obviously exposure for his his LED lighting business
2: is is another thing. Last week you uh, knocked off uh, Sydney FC, Uh, fantastic fantastic game, I watched it, Um, it was great to see the crowd over 18,000 and uh, when you get a crowd like that at Newcastle, um, it it really rocks and uh, to to win with uh, with ten men was um, outstanding. And um, how was it in the in the change rooms and the feeling in the office? I know, you know, from experience, when you when you have a win like that, it's uh, you're on a high for a for a whole week.
4: Well, the time we had the RAF round, so we had to fly over from the Jets, which always goes down well. Roy getting sent off. Right, it was he got sent off. It was soft. He's got two weeks. Um, it wasn't a great start, and but during that first half, he started. You could feel a couple of times we were, were close, and then to get there, I thought it was a soft enemy, Um But you take what you get, and then when Sydney scored, away, because I thought Sydney were playing within themselves a little bit. But when they scored, their boys just kept coming back and back, and the boots, the boots very well. Game, what a, what a finish! and um, the place was absolute but even before that the crowd got involved and I spoke to some of the Sydney boys after the game and they said the crowd got to them a little bit because as you said they were they were fully engaged in the game it was a great spectacle we could have scored another two or three goals you know we kept catching Sydney in the break and um, at the end of the game there you know it was just mayhem you know they were um, there were fans, people were crying you know, the, the corporate areas it was, was our biggest corporate for years, all the corporate was sold out and getting 18,000 people to come out, it was a huge thing and and I think it gave the Jets probably a bit of on the field, you know, we, we played Sydney a couple of months before, we drew two each down there, and, you know that was, that was, you could see we definitely had something to offer but I think the game the weekend was um, it, it, it gave us that next step, right, we can compete. OK, we've lost Naboo, because he's off to euro War of Reds, and huge opportunity for him. Um, but we've got Vargas and Rodriguez coming back into the squad this week, so we've got boys coming back in. But Nigel Bogar's probably out for the season, so he's a big loss. But Emily as the season's unfolded, when we've had boys out and then all year, it doesn't effaz him, he just gives a guy like Joe Champions a chance and he comes out and shines and you look at Demi Petrados' form under Ernie, you know, Demi's been outstanding an outstanding player in the A League previously, but it's been in bits and pieces. But he's been really consistent under Ernie, uh, under Ernie. Ernie seems to have got a lot out of some of these boys this season, so I'm just looking forward to the next five games and secure that second spot. Hopefully, over the next few weeks, and um,
2: look
1: forward to a final series where hopefully we can fill that stadium up there. Yeah, home final uh, is looking like it's just about locked in, and uh, and you've got a couple of away games before back at home on Easter Sunday against Melbourne City. I'm sure there'll be plenty there to celebrate Easter on Sunday. We thank you very much for joining us uh, on the show again, and uh, we wish you all the best with the remainder of the season.
4: Cheers, guys. Look forward to catching up soon.
1: Laurie McKenna joining us, the boss of the Newcastle Jets, right here on FNR the Football Bosses.
0: Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio.
1: Thanks for joining us on FNR Football Bosses. Tony, another magnificent show. Thank you to our guests. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. We should touch on uh, the ownership. Uh, we spoke about, uh, with Laurie, the ownership of Newcastle and how that's changed. The other big news during the week, as we spoke about during that interview, was the change of ownership at Adelaide United. Greg Griffin has agreed to join us on the show next week. It's going to be hard for him to leave, but I reckon his bounce ba- bank balance is looking a little healthier this week uh, compared to last
2: Yeah, look, um, Greg will join us next week and talk about how it all happened because it happened very very quickly um, and it's change ownership uh, you know immediately so we'll, um, you know, it'll be good to get the ins and outs of uh, what happened My biggest concern with uh, these new owners coming in is are they here for
1: the right reasons Laurie gave us a really interesting uh, colour on, on why uh, the, the owners at Newcastle were there they're for football reasons uh, they're, uh, they have business interests here and it sounds like they're here for the right reasons and here for the long term uh, I'd love to hear uh, that coming from uh, the new Adelaide Consortium As well, we'll touch on that next week on the Football Bosses.
0: Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talk. Brought to you by DKP and Co. Chartered Accountants and Aspire Planning Group. Football Bosses with Michael Zapponi and Tony Pinata on FNR Football Nation Radio.